welcome everybody this is the u.s grace force podcast and as always i'm here doug barry with my very good friend father richard heilman our guest tonight jason jones before we get into anything of course we want to start with the most important thing and that is a prayer sure father take it away in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen saint michael the archangel defend us in battle be our defense against the wickedness and snares the devil May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. First, before we get started, real quick, everybody out there, we are getting so close to the time we record this podcast to our, our two-year anniversary. August 14th is our two-year anniversary, and we are hoping to reach 50,000-plus subscribers. We're getting real close. We're going to ask you if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, U.S. Grace Force, please go on out and do it. Hit that little notification bell so you know when new episodes are coming out, which they come out every week and have for almost two years now. So we're excited about that. So please click that button, subscribe, get that notification bell, and let's, let's make it to 50,000 before our August 14th anniversary. Also, don't forget, those of you out there who've been supporting us, you were in our prayers constantly. Uh, Patreon members out there, please, if you're interested in joining Patreon, click the link in the description below. It's a tremendous help to us, especially right now with so many things going on that are making it difficult more and more for all of us to get the message out. But we need to get the message out as tonight we're going to be talking about the importance of not abandoning the vulnerable. So it's important that you help us if you can at all with your prayers, your encouragement, your comments, and of course, your financial support through Patreon is a big way of doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of that. Also, don't forget, check out our U.S. Grace Force official gear page. Also in this, the description below, great t-shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts and all kinds of great stuff out there. Help get that message out being proud of who we are as warriors for Christ, especially in these times. Father, our good friend Jason Jones is with us again. Jason, good to have you. Great to be here. Yeah, not coming from Hawaii, but from Hawaii. Thanks for having me. So, Father, I want you to lead this off. Are we abandoning the vulnerable? What do we mean by this question? You want me to do it? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Well, I, you know, I love this title, and we were talking about this before we started, and uh, Jason, can you hold your hat up? The one oh, yeah, you showed us right. beforehand. So, but the, no, the other one that had the thing on the back. Oh, my Jason Jones show hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shameless awesome. But look what he has in the back. Be vulnerable. Now, Jason, I'm going to ask you to, to fill that out. But I actually, <clears throat> while we were talking too, I just, I just Googled vulnerable. And get this, the first definition is susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. All right. I mean, who can we put in that category? A lot of people starting with, uh, I always point to the amount of babies that have been slaughtered since uh, Roe v. Wade worldwide is 1.7 billion that were susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. Uh, so, it, so you want, and then the next definition talks about in need of special care, support, or protection of age, disability, or, or risk of abuse or neglect. So the vulnerable, and we've been, we were talking about this before the show, that uh, it's true. We've been abandoning the vulnerable, and and we're gonna we're gonna open this up and, and talk about you know exa great examples of all that. But uh, uh, and, and in fact, uh, Jason, your that hat that you have on right now, I want us to go right into what you're, you're really passionate about, and I am too. But you, you're very knowledgeable. You kind of poured yourself into it. But the Uyghurs and what's going on in China and, and what's going on with the, the Catholic Church in China. Um, maybe, Jason, do you, you want to tell us what you know about that? So you're telling us about the bishop and the priests right now? Yeah, Father, I don't know if you can see me. I somehow got bumped from you guys. But, um, you know, my organization, Hero, through our two programs, Movie to Movement and the Vulnerable People Project now for 30 years, it's almost over 20 years, our mission has been to stand with the most vulnerable, uh, those who've been abandoned. That's you know, awesome. starting, stand, starting, of course, with the child in the womb. Right. But even as a university student, when I was um, doing pro-life work on campus, I came to understand that there are issues that are like incommensurate to abortion. Sadly, there was, you know, there are genocides, for example, uh, the, the ancient Christian, the ancient Catholic communities in Iraq and Syria were liquidated by ISIS, the Yazidi, 
Um, this is the DOPA of the Uyghur. And so I would say the genocide, total war, abortion, these are like incommensurate issues. And when you have a community that is utterly abandoned, that is completely vulnerable, there is a very high social cost to stand with them. Right. Um, the French anthropologist René Girard talked about in a post-Christian and, and sort of a post-Christian world, you can't openly abandon scapegoats. So you find communities that aren't vulnerable, that are powerful, you proclaim that they're vulnerable, you feign concern for them for wealth, for power, for prestige. Oh because God. when you stand with truly vulnerable communities, uh, it never brings wealth, it never brings fame, it never right. brings power, it never brings prestige. When I was, you know, when I discovered this, um, as a young pro-life activist on college campuses, when I would take on other challenging issues, and I thought, well, this might be a good cause to knit together a very large coalition that I couldn't knit together for the child in the womb. And, and it was striking to me that, that when it doesn't matter if it's the Uyghur in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, or if it's um, the Yazidi uh, when ISIS was raging in Iraq, when there are truly abandoned and vulnerable communities, it is really impossible to draw attention to these causes. So that was what I decided I wanted to do. I wanted to, because of my real strong personal experience with abortion, I felt an affinity to people I work with in these other communities, that, I, that they're the people I, 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 um, I know that have experienced uh, kind of what I've experienced and that uh, I, we can empathize with each other. And I thought that the leverage and the clout, as we've grown the pro-life movement to be very strong, I would like to bring our movement to bear on behalf of, for example, the Christians in Iraq. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it is striking, Father, that I, we were talking about this, the podcast before the podcast, that um, you, you thought that, uh, you know, the child in the womb was a unique case, but I said, actually, no, it, it doesn't really matter. Whenever a community is vulnerable, uh, no one shows up to their defense. Very few people. Jason, can you break down a bit more? Uh, you talk about China. Uh, break that down a bit more and explain a little more what's going on. Because it, it, this is not a subject that we hear much about in the press at all. Yeah, well, no. You know, Cardinal Zen said, of course, that the church has abandoned the Catholics of China, the Christians of China. What's happening now in the CCP is really unbelievable. What's more unbelievable even than what's happening in the CCP is the silence from the West, and, and, and what's really startling is the silence from the church. So, um, of course, there's three million Uyghur in concentration camps. Uh, their organs are being harvested. The women are being married off. The men are working in slave labor camps and women working in slave labor camps for major brands like Nike. Um, and the war on the laity, and not just Catholic laity, but the war in Hong Kong, um, that a lot of Catholic lady have been caught up in, some very prominent. But two months ago, um, a Bishop Zhang Waizhu and all of his priests and seminarians were disappeared. They were disappeared. A bishop, a Vatican-approved bishop, a CCP-approved bishop, was disappeared with all of his priests and all of his seminarians. It's been two months. There is no word about where they are. What's startling is there has not been one peep from the Vatican. and not Or anybody else. Or anyone else. Well, Protestant religious freedom organizations have been vocal. and uh, But from the church hierarchy, absolute silence. And most Catholic laity don't even know. Could you imagine if this would have happened in the 1980s in the Soviet Union? The whole church would have been mobilized and would have known about what was happening. What's your explanation, Jason? Because your hair hat said be vulnerable. And your point is yeah. right, that anytime that you stand with the vulnerable, you end up being vulnerable. And, and, yeah, was, and was, so in the context of that, I think, right, what's going on? Why, why is this happening, do you think? Well, there was, there was a secret deal brokered by disgraced uh, Cardinal, former Cardinal McCarrick. And the terms of the deal are not known. It's been said that about a $2 billion cash transfer took place, maybe annually. Um, but we don't know. But what we do know is that there's been absolute silence from the church since the McCarrick deal. Now, and this is what McCarrick said after he broke the deal, brokered the deal. He said that 
Pope Francis and Xi Jinping are a special gift to the world and they have many similarities. And he went on to say, I see a lot of things happening that would really open up many doors because President Xi and his government are concerned about the things that Pope Francis is concerned about. So what was McCarrick, what were the things that Xi and Francis were concerned about? Coerced abortions um, in uh, Chinese occupied East Turkestan, it said that 80% of the Uyghurs living there have had their DNA and their eye imprints taken. There are 3 million, according to the Department of Defense, 3 million Uyghurs in, in concentration camps. The Senate, uh, through the leadership of Marco Rubio, just passed a bill that would forbid products made in East Turkestan from being sold in the United States, which is a good start, but the problem is, um, They'll, they're shipping the Uyghurs all over China. So, what's stopping them yeah. from shipping product to another part of China and then shipping them out from there too? I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of ways or shipping around the slaves or shipping the slaves. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to me as an atheist, when I was a young atheist, what really attracted me to the Catholic Church is I was bamboo. I was really stumped. I saw this dignity of the human person, but as an atheist, I really could not understand its source. And it was through the teachings of the Catholic Church and its understanding of human dignity, um, the Imago Dei, that really attracted me to the Catholic faith and its long 2,000-year history of standing with the abandoned. You know, my home state, St. Mother Marianne Cope and St. Damien, we stand with the, the abandoned, the leper, the outcast. What's striking is I see now in the church kind of a prophecy from Rene Girard. Rene Girard said, imagine if Peter's denial of Christ was a prophecy of the end times mm. where the church would deny the scapegoat. What it is to be a Christian is to stand with those who no one in the world will stand with. That's what it really addles yes. me. The thought really, whether it's um, I'm not a TLM guy, a traditional Latin mass guy, but sort of bullying the traditional Latin mass community, right. knowing yeah. how pious and devout and thoughtful that community is um, not perfect. Right. Um, I really regret I've been so critical of that community. I kind of been scrupulous, um, you know, taking the- your Pope put, put it one po play, way. He said, yeah, let, let's grant that maybe 10% are that way. And I, I think, you know, I think that actually might be high. I, I actually pastor a Latin mass community and we had, we had some of those that emerged and then uh, we took care of it and now they're not around. And now it's a hundred percent that aren't that way, you know? So- But meanwhile, our Nova Sordo parishes is I used to be one of those folks that was, I'd go to a Latin mass and that, that 1% guy would find me and corner me as I was trying to get my family into the car, yeah. you know, brunch. And, um, and I would, I would, I would take that experience to just say, this is how they are. Meanwhile, I'd go to my parish, the Eucharistic minister literally would wear his Masonic ring. Yeah. Uh, his, um, I vote pro-choice bumper sticker yeah. and, um, maybe 50% of the parish was voting for candidates that support the direct intentional killing of the innocent child in the womb. Right. And meanwhile, I would look at the TLM community and take this one guy yeah. and, and, and place just yeah. And so even I, like, I think we all can easily get swept away and, and be, turn our back on, on vulnerable communities. But, you know, I think what it is to be Catholic is to be mindful and thoughtful that um, those who have been abandoned, we need to stand with. So I love this coalition for canceled priests, but it takes courage. We need bishops to take courage or our priests are going to be picked off. And Our Lady and Father, we talked about this on our podcast interview on the Jason Jones Show, which is going up tomorrow. Um, I don't want to be a obsessed on what the bishops should or shouldn't be doing or priests should or shouldn't be doing. I really do not want to be that way. But we're kind of in this position where I am not going to allow a priest or a Catholic community to be abandoned whether it's the TLM community here, and I don't, there's no real comparison to what they're going through and what Catholics and Chinese, I mean, Catholics in China are going through or in Hong Kong are going through. But to me, that's what it is to be a Catholic, to live out your faith. It's, it's what we are. We're the people that don't abandon the scapegoats. Right. And a lot of the woke Catholics, there might be some woke Catholic watch, watching this. If Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, Nike, the NBA, and uh, the Olympic Committee are all on your side. That's not a vulnerable community, right? Right. Like, right. Nike, 
Do you know right now the NBA banned wearing free Hong Kong shirts to NBA games? <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. you know, the people wow. are vulnerable. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because, because they'll be vulnerable by standing with the vulnerable. Because they'll right? take yeah. off China. I'll tell you, Doug, you can take it right here, but I, I just want to say this while we're early in the show. That thing on the back of your hat, I'm going to put that on everything. I don't know if you have a copyright for it, but that I thing, do. I'll, be vulnerable. Be what? You'll be hearing from my lawyer. You're vulnerable now. <laughs> You're vulnerable, vulnerable. now, Father. <laughs> I mean, what, what a way to frame it so that we totally understand what's going on here is that we've got so many people that aren't willing to be vulnerable. They won't stand with the vulnerable. Uh, and I'll go to Father Altman again, and, and his, his standing with, uh, and I, I always frame it, 1.7 billion little babies since 1973 worldwide. And he says, no, we can't vote uh, people who are in favor of this into power. And what happened is the forces that be did not stand with uh, Father Altman, who put himself vulnerable out in front of uh, the left, you know, where some people could say that, that that abortion is their sacrament, okay? So we knew we was going to upset them. And so instead of coming to his, getting his back, getting his six, I, I like to say, um, where he's thrown under the bus. And, and all of these canceled priests... The, the, there's I I'm watching this closely now, and there's two ways to describe them. They're 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 doing both of these things. They're they're truthful and they're reverent, and both of those make them vulnerable, right? Yeah. Uh, rever, no, what about reverence? I I personally experience this every time I put my toe in the water of adding reverence in my parish. Oh my goodness, the pushback. We don't want to go back pre-Vatican II. And then they'd go after my reputation. They'd try to destroy the parish. You know, and, and finally, I got Bishop Morlino to have my six on this. And they, they tried, but, you know, he wasn't buying what they were selling. And so, so it happened. But, but see, the leaders came to the aid of those who made themselves vulnerable by... Uh, reaching out to the vulnerable. And in that case, the vulnerable is uh, these precious Catholic souls in this modern era that, that have been crushed uh, by uh, little nonsense that's gone on in our church. Uh, you can start with poor catechesis, but, but uh, you know, uh, uh, liturgies that, that are just casual and nonchalant and, and do nothing to lead a soul to cry out, my Lord and my God. Uh, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. Because once you, if you're not in the divine life, you're easy pickings for the devil. Anyways, I, I want to, I want to, no, I, I love that saying. I love that saying, you know, be vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable. And, and one thing, Father, and, and you'll hear this, I'm sure, and I'm sure Doug's heard this his whole life. I've heard this my, in my entire apostolate, in my whole life through my apostolate. Oh, you like to conflict or you like, no, I like when people see me that they smile. I like to read books at coffee shops sure. and not be nervous that I'm being doxxed and destroyed through social media. Right. I like to go to the gym and get a protein shake. Right. And after I work out, sit in the back of my truck and look at the sunset. Like I, yeah. that's what we like. I don't like conflict. I, I don't, but, right. but when you have empathy and this is something I think we all really right. need to be thoughtful of that when we stand with the vulnerable, and we inspire others to stand with us, they will eventually cease to be vulnerable. When Archbishop right. Rummel in Louisiana uh, denied communion to politicians who supported, um, uh, opposed desegregating schools that were bullying little African-American, little black children, um, his own parishioners were vicious to him. But, but that little step, that cruelty that he experienced made those children a little less vulnerable. And so when you have empathy, the choice isn't, you know, I, I'm not going to engage in this. Things will improve on their own. No, unless we stand with those who have been outcast, they will be treated cruelly. When enough of us stand with them, they're no longer vulnerable. And actually, what's so funny, I've seen this with the pro-life movement and our ups and downs. When our movement is popular and strong and we have our upswing, we watch all these people come alongside. 
And then when we might have a little dip, we watch people abandon. They come back, they, they go away. And that's just how it is. But but as Catholics, I think of the Pieta of Our Lady with her son draped, uh, draped across her lap, that the second person of the Trinity, lifeless across her lap, that's us. Like when we stand with the vulnerable, it's not that they're weak or they're pitiful. They're strong. They're beautiful. They're made in the image of God. They've been placed in impossible situations. And we as lay Catholics in the United States of America, where most people here are watching this, we're so blessed. We're so privileged by nothing that we've decided, nothing. But through your show, Father, we, we're talking to so many people. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk about the Uyghur and we're the dope up for so many people. And people are going to go, three million Uyghurs in concentration camps. This guy's nuts. They're going to Google it. And then they're not going to shut up. They're going to mm-hmm. tell everyone no. And they're going to be less vulnerable. The Uyghur are going to be less vulnerable. We do this not because we're just like everyone else. No one... No one in the world likes to be alienated or outcast. The, the Clarence Thomas, in a speech in 1995 that I watched in my college dorm on C-SPAN to the African-American Bar Association, I believe, of Louisville. It was in Louisville. I remember that. And he said that, that you know, when he was young, he would cry when he had to make the decision to stand with what was right against popular opinion. He would lose friends. He was hurt. He was sorrowful. He never knew why. He just always felt compelled to do what was right, even though it was going to come with sorrow, with pain, with loneliness and isolation. He said, but you know what? Now I'm a man. And oh, man. Oh, man. now I'm a man. Because they booed him. They booed him when he walked in. He goes, now I'm a man. And you're, you don't hurt my feelings anymore. Yeah. And I don't feel lonely anymore. And standing up for what's right is a habit that I will do forever. So, yep. And they gave him a standing ovation when he was done. I don't they think it's only for him. men, but it sure is a masculine thing to do. He meant he's an adult. I'm a grown-up now. Yeah, right. We need to grow up and stand with the Uyghurs. That's right. We need to grow up and stand with the child in the world. But I, I'm just pointing particularly to men. We've we've got to we got to be vulnerable. We we got to be a, and and that means putting ourselves in harm's way. You know, you think about who who are who is the greatest uh, image of that, and that's military or law enforcement. You know that that they put themselves in harm. They're vulnerable. Because they're taking care of those who are vulnerable, you know, those who might be being robbed or, you know, are at gunpoint or whatever uh, is happening. And they go in and they stand with the vulnerable. And that, that's what we need to do, at beginning with uh, the babies. This is, this is the hand we've been dealt, Jason. This is, this is the times we're, we're living in. And, and, and this tragedy of of these little vulnerable babies being destroyed uh in, in our time i mean there's so many ways we could look at who's vulnerable in our day but i think we got to start there and again to to chastise the father altmans of the world who says you can't put into power those who are going to continue this abomination this horror this, this, and I, I was, uh, the secular media went after me recently because I, I said, I, tr- I tried to say it's, it's think of Nazi Germany, Germany, you know, uh, what if they, what if it was the position of Adolf Hitler going into an election that he was going to, uh, to, to murder 6 million Jews. It, it, so, but you liked all the other policies that he held. Could you vote for him? See, I, I don't think we're thinking uh, babies are, as much a person as a full-grown Jew, because in our it, it, now fast forward to our time, 1.7 billion, not six million, and we're and we're voting those who are want to keep that going into power. Imagine if people imagine if 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 uh, Americans across this land said, "No, we can't keep b- killing babies." Then politicians wouldn't have it on their platform because it would be political suicide because they, they would get votes for that. And Father, and if our bishops were clear, the debate would end. It's not a debate. If you publicly advocate the intentional direct killing of the child in the womb, you shouldn't present yourself to communion. That's the way it is. Now you have to make your decision. But things, they never change, really. The reason we know the name Maximilian Colby is because what, his courage was unique. <clears throat> the reason we know the name, you know... Um, Jersey Popiescu, one of my favorite saints. I'm friends with his family, and so I get to hear stories about what he was like, how funny he was, just a normal guy. But he stood with the people of Poland, 
KGB yeah. beat him to death and threw him across, into a river. Um, you know, Franz Jägerstatter, the, the humble Austrian farmer who refused to say the Hitler loyalty oath. And so, you know, you look at, I always looked at Archbishop Rommel that would comfort you and people like Father Altman. The laity, the Catholic laity were so mad at him for not allowing uh, bullies and thugs that were bullying little black children and trying to block desegregating Catholic schools. Um, when the bishops drew the line in the sand and said, no, you can't come to communion for what you're doing. Uh, they went out and named streets after these politicians that, that spit in the face of the bishop and the church and these black children. Those streets are still named after those politicians. What's that sound like? Yeah. So, but, but you know what? Those, but when people know the story, they don't know. No one knows who those people are. They're just names of streets. But when they find out, sooner or later, those streets' names are going to change, right? And Rummel, we always quote Rummel, all of us, right? All Catholics will bring him up. We bring up Maximilian Colby. But they were the exception, not the rule. Father Altman's the exception, not the rule. And every time and age, people that stand up to the spirit of their age are the exception, not the rule. So we shouldn't be shocked or feel like this is a strange period in human history. I think it's quite normal. What makes it feel spectacularly strange is the relentless ability for people in the church in positions of power to communicate. So when you have, let's say, a celebrity bishop who communicates on everything all the time, um, but then has never once mentioned the Uyghur or the plight of the church in the Middle East or in Nigeria or a bishop being hauled off and disappeared into a concentration camp, one has to ask themselves, huh? In 1914, you wouldn't want, you know, your bishop wouldn't be communicating to you relentlessly through social media. So I think that's why we feel like we feel it more. We feel hurt. And then as a Catholic lady, when I run my small little embattled organization working for these small embattled groups, you know, we just want a bone thrown. We would just love to hear our Holy Father just say one word for the Uyghur, one word. For three million human beings made in the image and likeness of God, trapped in despair in prison cells, um, having their organs harvested, Holy Father. One word. If our bishops, one bishop, one prominent bishop wrote an op-ed and submitted it to the Wall Street Journal. One bishop. You know, but why? Why are we hearing this? And I think it goes back to this deal. This, this deal brokered by disgraced Cardinal Mc, former Cardinal McCarrick. And as Cardinal Zen said... We have abandoned the church, and uh, I think we've abandoned the church in China because people have been compromised. But so what? What's your pride, your ego? Just stand with the vulnerable, and what happens, happens. Um, we know how China operates. People forgive you and move along, and, and that's what I really think. I think people in the hierarchy have been compromised, and um, they're, they're fearful to speak out. And so what? To be in solidarity with the vulnerable is to be vulnerable. So just stand with um, our bishops and priests in China, our Catholic lady in Hong Kong and across China, the Uyghur and Chinese occupied East Turkestan. But you brought it up, Father, the child in the womb. This is what I've learned. If you can't stand with the child in the womb, you will stand with no community when they are truly vulnerable ever. Right. right. So because abortion is the issue here and now. Right. Intimate. Us, our family, our friends. Our best friends had an abortion or his wife's had an abortion. You bring up pro-life, it hurts them. They feel like you're judging them. And now someone you love and care about, you've created. So it's a very intimate issue. In a way, the abortion issue to me is a great opportunity to really learn empathy. And it's very sacramental in a life of solidarity. Because when you stand with a child in the womb, it comes at a real cost. And I find that there's short-term costs in friendships. And long-term, you develop very strong relationships with the people who maybe those relationships were broken. But if you can't stand with the child in the womb, if you're one of those bishops that voted not to deny communion to pro-abortion politicians, I suspect you'll never say a word for the Uyghur. Yeah, I would say another area that we could maybe take this is <laughs> what's going on with the, in general, and I, I, and I think this ties into the, the, the problem with going on in the Vatican and China, the connection there, is the population control group that's out there. The people out there that overall, and I know, Jason, you're, you're familiar with this and the work that you've done is tied into this, that there are people out there who they want to depopulate the world. There are people out there who, who have made very clear, they're very open about this. I mean, in, I know I saw one of your posts recently. It's been reported that Mel Gibson is working on a movie 
Uh, and I know you said, I saw your post. You hope this is so, you so hope this is true. And was it about the Rothschilds or, or, yeah, or- the Rothschilds family. I, I, I actually didn't even look into it. I just saw it, shared it, and said, I hope this is true. It yeah. seemed like talk, talk about a guy that, that makes himself vulnerable. Yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell you, like, my, my little insight into Mel Gibson, uh, sure. reading Rene Girard? You know, Rene Girard talks about how what Christianity does is it shows violence for what it is, repulsive and ugly. Right. All myths make violence appealing and attractive, from the Iliad and the Odyssey to so many pagan religions to James Bond. When James Bond kills somebody, you get a kick, you get a thrill. Something in Mel Gibson's movies, even the ones he didn't produce or direct, going all the way back to Gallipoli, um, but especially, you know, Apocalypto, The Passion of the Christ, um, Hacksaw Ridge, they show violence as ugly and repulsive. Mm. And that shows you how thoroughly Christian really Mel Gibson is. Right. He doesn't even realize it. I don't think he ever set out to show, like, I want to be a filmmaker that shows violence as repulsive. But I think through his family and his faith and maybe through the empathy in a battle, lifelong battle with depression, um, I think he obsesses on, on cruelty and violence and the abandoned. And so what I love about Mel Gibson's movies is they sh they never make a violence appealing. I thought it was so funny when they would they were trying to cancel The Passion of the Christ when it came out. I worked on the marketing of that film and I did ABC. I had the privilege of doing I was a younger guy, right? It was what 15 years or 16 years ago now. And I got to be on ABC Nightly News the special on it right before Mel was interviewed by Katie Kirk who was who interviewed him. I forget. Um well, right before he was interviewed, that big interview, Barbara Walters, and I, they asked me, well, you know, it's so violent. I said, how many movies show 10, 15, 20, 30, 100 people die? You're going to see three guys die, and you're going to hate violence. You're going to come out of this movie hating violence. Every other movie you come out of, you see a Rocky movie, like, you know, you're, like, you're ready to go, right? Um, it makes violence thrilling. And what Mel Gibson, I think, has that knack of telling the truth, that there's nothing more repulsive than violence done to a human person. Well, I just found it interesting, too, that, that, that when he when this report comes out and it's floating around the Internet right now, that that he's going to make a movie exposing one of the, you know, what we hear historically, one of the greatest family names that is about population control. Um, you know, there's reports that he's being blasted now. I'd love to hear if, if this is actually going to happen. But the subject of the population control people is real. I mean, we, we've seen it. We've heard it. And right now, I'm going to say this to be very clear to the people that I, I'm going to use the, the reference to this whole virus and this experimental gene therapy, or as it's been called, experimental um, bioagent that people are taking with a needle. Um, regardless of that topic i think it's being used in many ways and manipulated in many ways to create segregation and create a sense of of this this heavy opposition against people who are choosing not to do it not to take it to the point where now there's a vulnerability where you know restaurants are saying if you haven't gotten this you can't eat here we're being told the nfl is now doing this we're in new york city the time we record this they're talking about all city employees now have to get this you're going to lose your job if you don't take this there's a I just new got a type text of vulnerability from a nurse. i just got a text from a nurse this afternoon that her hospital is making them take it or they get fired yeah i mean which is funny not funny ha -ha, bizarre you think back a year ago they were all considered our great heroes first line defenders and heroes now they're being threatened to lose their job or lose their job if they don't go along <laughs> with this pressure that's a that's a new type of vulnerability, don't you think, Jason? Yeah, and this is where we as the church need to really step up. I mean, we're just overwhelmed with people to stand in solidarity with right now, right? I mean, yeah, I know. It, uh, this relentless division on uh, the cancel culture. Uh, but I see this as a great opportunity for us. Like, I'm not going to cancel anyone. I'm not going to – I pray God I might maybe in a moment of anger lash out and be cruel. I don't want to be thoughtful. I don't thoughtfully want to be vicious or cruel or unfair or unjust. I, I don't think many of us do. But the spirit of the age whips people into these enthusiasms. Uh, it's very unjust. And, and that's a really good point, Doug, that, yeah, these were the heroes. And now, I mean, it's an experimental gene therapy approved for emergency use. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's really? connection to to embryonic stem stem cells. You know, you're gonna mandate that. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna mandate that. That seems pretty bizarre. Yeah, um, and, and you're gonna threaten to, and you're gonna take people's livelihoods away if they don't go along with it, even though the reports, the sicknesses, the complications, the the problems that have come from it are well documented, even though they've not been acknowledged by a certain group out there in the press or in the medical field, there's enough evidence to say there's a serious, serious problem with this, even on just the, the reactions that people have had after, after getting this. But, but this, this, this vulnerability that we seem to have now because of this is just off the charts and it's worldwide too. Yeah. I was going to say that this, this, again, the whole idea of being vulnerable, um, we don't know really the science behind this thing. And, and, and again, I'll go back to, to uh, Father Altman, who came to the defense of those who had issues with this. Okay, it's an experiment. Uh, it, it, it has a connection to uh, aborted babies. Uh, and, and so they have their reasons. And he was sticking up for them. And he got slaughtered by the liberal media yeah. for doing that. And, and again... No one else will do that. No one else will be vulnerable. And I, and I, I say this I, in the context of what we're talking about tonight, because again, Jason, I want to stress this whole be vulnerable thing. I think it's just genius. I mean, it really captures exactly what's going on here. But um, uh, I look at all the conversations I've ever had now of people who really questioned the uh, a Father Altman type, and they would always say, why is he doing that in some yeah. way or another? And, and <clears throat> I, I, none of them said this, but they were in essence saying it. Why is he being vulnerable? You know, why is he putting his neck out, in other words, to come to the aid of the vulnerable? You know, the, we, we don't need to do that. See, that's in our mindset right now. You know, that, oh, it's not a hill I want to die on. Or, you know, and, and in the meantime, you know, babies are getting slaughtered and, um, you know, little children are having their, 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 their sex changed by a surgeon and uh, grown men are walking into little girls' bathrooms. And, and, right. And, so but we sit back. Young child, seven years old, um, who's facing this, you're going to suffer wrath. Yeah. Um, but so what, right? That's yeah. it. When you, when you talk about how they blame Father Altman for the controversy, the scapegoat is always blamed for the violence, right. the mob. They, they blame, you know, it's like a, a man who beats his wife. Like, you made me do this. Right, yeah, That's right, what the right. mob always says to its victim. Father right. Allman, you made us do this. You know, Students for Life of America, every year, one of their students will be putting up pro-life signs and gets punched, tackled, or whatever. Right. And it's always the same from the faculty. Well, you incited these. You incited students. it. You're being you divisive. That's yeah, a- you incited these students to violence. It's your fault. Yeah. So we have to get rid of the pro-life club. I mean, right. this right. is what we see. Um, so we that's, why, with the bully. Yeah, that's why it's uncomfortable and nobody wants to do it. Um, but the, the only oppor- the only other option is, um, you know, covering your eyes, plugging in your ears while knowing that good priests, uh, for the example, for example, Father Altman are being abused. And so then you just have to stand with them. Yeah. And instead he's getting canceled instead of sticking up for him. You know, that, that's what the church teaches. Uh, there's nothing he said. In fact, I think his bishop actually said at one point, he's standing with the ultimately what the church teaches or something like that. He said, und- yeah, he said he stands with, he stands for undeniable truth. I think was the term. Right, right, right. Yeah. His own bishop but, said. Yeah. 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 It's reported that he said that. Yeah. But it, it was primarily the manner and tone. It was this whole idea that, you know, it's the way you're delivering it. Well, and what he's accused of is denying the, the world, not the church's teachings. Mm, right. So he is he has refused to burn incense to the spirit of the age. Right. That's what they're that's why he's been canceled. Mm, right. you, yeah. you haven't gone and burned incense to the gods of the city. Just yeah, you know, it's like Jersey Pope. I mean, uh, it's like Franz Jägerstadt in Austria. You know, his bishop said, just say the, the darn Hitler, the loyalty oath. Yeah. Just say it. You're causing trouble for everybody. You're getting us all in trouble. Just say it. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. Burn incense to the gods of the city. Yeah. Please. You were the one of the you were the producer for uh, 
sing a little louder. <laughs> Amazing. I'm always putting people off on it. It's just a 12 minute little short film, but uh, in there, it, 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 it goes to the essence of what we're talking about right now is um, real quick. It's a uh, train stops in the uh, behind a church. They're, they're worshiping and uh, the minister uh, starts preaching louder and tells everybody sing louder because they've drowned out the screams from those who are on their way to the concentration camp. But it, what, it really captures what went on then, but it's also going on now, it, is, that, is that the vulnerable are screaming, and we don't want to be divisive. We don't want to and, – and, and even if they come, they come to their aid or seem to come to their aid, it's kind of mild. And, you know, we, you know, yeah, I guess it's a pretty bad situation over in China. And then move on to the next topic, you know. You see what I'm saying? There's no sounding the alarm bells. That's no 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 stressing the sense of how serious this these matters are. 1.7 billion children under our watch. Okay, I mean, is anybody going to say it that way? Uh, well, you know, abortion's not really good. You know, I mean, come on, right? So, I mean, before okay, so as we're getting closer here, before we run out of time, Jason, two things. One. Why do you think so many people are basically abandoning the vulnerable? Why are we silent, so many? And two, what do we do? From your perspective and the work that you've done, what do we do? But first, well, I, why? why? Why are we silent? Start with that. I think the reason we're silent now more than ever is before you could go door to door, you could clipboard, you could do letter writing campaigns and, you know, um, if Doug Berry did this in his hometown, got a thousand people to write letters to his member of Congress and raise money for a billboard, free the Uyghur, Doug Berry would not be attacked. But now Doug Berry is on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn, and there's going to be a real cost to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Real social cost, especially if you stand with the child in the womb, too. You could lose your job or, you know, employers look at your social media. So <clears throat> I think that yeah, all that, of us. It's funny you say that because that happened not too long ago uh, within the Catholic church. They looked at my social media, saw a video I had put out in particular and some other stuff regarding not it was similar in some ways to what Father Altman said, but I said it a little bit differently. I just said it was right after Cuomo signed that infanticide bill, you know, a couple of years back. And I put the video out saying, how can you claim to be Catholic and vote for the Democrat party based on this stuff? And later on, I was working in this Catholic circle and, Lo and behold, they dig some digging. They found that video and they said, you're, you're done. And, and they, they pulled me from, I can't go into detail on it, so it's not to incriminate certain people, but I can tell you that that's exactly what happened because they found a video and, and some other stuff that I'd done. And, you know, you're a public figure, so you're not the best example, but you could be an 18-year-old boy that's, hmm. you know, you're a, a grocery cart kid at the HEB. Yeah. And you can lose your job because of something you posted on Instagram or yeah, social media. That's true. So, yeah. Or, or not get admitted to college. So I think, and more, 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 probably more directly, just your peer group will shun you. Mm. So the, I think that, that the real cost is, is, is um, there's a real cost that it's immediate. So I think that's, we've, uh, especially younger generations have been battered into silence. You're seeing also the opposite. You're seeing kind of this rebellious TikTok generation. They're like all bets are off. They're kind of reactionary and rebellious. Um, and then what can we do? I mean, obviously for the child in the womb, there, there are endless opportunities. Volunteering for your local pregnancy center, going down. Today, I was at my local Republican Party headquarters and uh, my business partner from Turkey were building schools in Iraq. I, I said, let's go, we'll go in here and buy you some hats or something. And they, they I made a donation. They looked me up and they said, you, uh, you're... Um, you are a swing voter. And in fact, yes, I have voted for Democrats in the past when they were pro-life and the Republicans, I'm from a state, Hawaii, where we had pro-life Democrats and some of the Republicans were not pro-life. And so I have voted. Um, and so, yeah, to me, again, Father, we were in the pre-interview, we were talking about single issue. It's not a single issue. It's a single principle that um, we stand with those who are abandoned by the law to violence, uh, whether it's the child in the womb or the Uyghur. So, uh, so abortion, there's so, there's so many endless opportunities uh, to do the right thing. Um, now with the Uyghur, we have a really great opportunity and that is the Beijing Olympics in 2022. <clears throat> and there's no more influential or powerful person in the world 
uh, for the Catholics in China who are suffering and also for other ethnic and religious minorities like the Uyghur. We need to get the Olympics moved from Beijing or maybe even better, the CCP to radically change its policy and cause a ceasefire in its war on religion and people of religion and its war on ethnic minorities. Free the Uyghur from their camps. Stop the war against the Uyghur. Stop abusing Christians. Um, and so the Olympics are a great opportunity. One thing I wish everyone here would do is include the Uyghur in their prayer of the faithful, also the persecuted church. Um, if you work for a celebrity priest or bishop, uh, leverage every opportunity you have to speak for the vulnerable community. And if you guys aren't, ask why don't we talk about abortion? Why don't we talk about the persecuted church? Why don't we talk about vulnerable ethnic and religious minorities? Ask yourself that. And I know you guys have a very big audience. I know there's some bishops watching. Nothing would make my heart leap more than see our bishops lead the way in speaking out um, against the greatest genocide since the Holocaust, what's happening to the Uyghur. Um, you know, Bishop Zhang Wazhou is a real man. He's a real human being with dreams and hopes. He's a priest. He's a bishop. He's real. He was di he's Catholic. He was disappeared two months ago. He's praying all day, every day in that cell, wherever he is. And I bet you one of his prayers is that we, Catholic lady in America, raise our voice for the church in China. Being a, a citizen of this constitutional republic, we are so influential. Mm -hmm. We have more power for the, the church in China than the church in China. <laughs> right? So priests, bishops, laity, let's, let's, um, and that's the gospel. And that's what attracts people to the church. I get so many, for example, because I have been a leading voice for the Uyghur for many years. So many Uyghurs email me that they've come to Christianity, um, come to the Catholic church through just looking at our, my work and the work of other lay Catholics on behalf of them. And they, and they come to realize that it's the theology of our faith that, that compels us to stand with those who are abandoned. Because I will tell you, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, they have abandoned the Uyghur too, right? I mean, China has, they're all money and they flex. And um, there are very few, there's this NBA player who's very outspoken for the Uyghur, a few kooky celebrities and a bunch of Christian activists. Um, but it's the Catholic church, the Catholic lady in America, our bishops, this could be the first major genocide in the world averted because these concentration camps have a lot of death, but they're, they're heading toward becoming pure death camps. And so um, time is of the essence. I think we're in a time where we need heroes. You know, I was thinking about this as I was listening to you just now, Jason, that um, what's missing right now is, again, people who are willing to be vulnerable. And that means that putting everything on the line. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who they know they'll lose, lose their job if, if they are found putting this, that, or the other thing on social media. I have a friend who worked at a Catholic hospital and had a pro-life sticker on his, on his car and, and his car got keyed, you know, and, and he knows it was because of that. And so right now is th this bullying, okay, this tyranny, totalitarianism, whatever you want to call it. But what they're doing is, is they're, they're, they're setting us into the spirit of fear so that there's very few, it seems, that want to be vulnerable in order to come to the aid of the vulnerable. And, uh, and we need heroes right now. We need people who will lead the way because what's going to follow behind them is a movement. And what is a movement? A movement is a collection then. It's, we're in the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. What was it? It was gathering in the remnant forests. Okay? You feel less vulnerable, all right, if you're gathered together with more forces. We need that more than ever right now. But it's going to take uh, some heroic few that want to be the Don Johns of Austria, you know, that are going to go and get out there and, and collect this remnant army, but we got to get united and, and we got to, we, we've got to stand again. The bullies think that this is their time right now. And they're having a, they're having a field day in keeping us silent, especially the spiritual leaders, whether it's in the Catholic church or anywhere, uh, the spiritual leaders are just like, Oh no, no, no. We don't want to be divisive. We don't want to offend you know, the mob, the, uh, they're like a mafia. Uh, it's, it's just terrible right now. 
So um, we need heroes, and I think that's something, too, we can pray about. What, what do you guys say about that, Jason? Well, Father, I love that you brought up Don John of Austria in, yeah. in the Battle of Toronto. That beautiful poem by G.K. Chesterton, he talks yeah. about the Queen of England is yawning at the, or I mean, uh, is staring in the mirror, and uh, I think the King of Spain is yawning at the mass, but John, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same story, right? Right. Most of Europe was MIA, and it was just right. a small handful um, of faithful. And it's always the same. It's always the same story. Yep. And uh, so we do need heroes. And, you know, being Christians in the West, we're so self-absorbed. Like, we really, we don't suffer. I mean, most people spend most of their life with a toothache. Just think of that. Most people in most places and most times spend most of their life with a toothache. I just think of that to realize how blessed I've been. I have potable water. I'm not worried about marauding militias kicking down my door. Um, very blessed and privileged. When we do get these minor, the mob acts up the way it does in, in our political community, and we get these minor blemishes, we should really just savor them. Or as Mel Gibson said in an interview, you got to hug the cross yep. and, and just feel that so you can kind of get a glimpse at what other people who have suffered in very great ways feel. Like this bishop, Bishop Zhang, Waiju, uh, God knows if he's even alive. God knows, but is he being beaten? Is he being tortured? What's happening? Um, thinking of St. Maximilian Colby in that starvation bunker, and then what we have experienced, so small compared to that, when we do lose our job, or for me, when <laughs> often I get a nasty letter from a major donor because of an article I wrote, I just smile and shrug and say, that's the cost of standing with the vulnerable. They're upset at how forcefully I advocated on behalf of the vulnerable. What a privilege to experience this bit of discomfort right now. Okay. Yeah, and I would say just another thing that we've got to be keying on, everyone, is, is um, you know, you got to deepen the prayer for the courage to do any of this. You know, I go back to Joshua 1.9. Behold, I command thee, take courage and be strong. Do not be dismayed. I'm worth it wherever you go. And I know, Father, you've been very big, of course, in Heal Our Nation with the holy hours you've been doing right. every Thursday as we have got to root this there because – you know, you know, Jason, you're hitting so many good points tonight that that people have just got to realize that, yeah, it, the immediate feeling that we get of the persecution that can come at us right away is different than maybe it's ever been because of how fast things can happen and how quickly they can amass an attack against you on social media or whatever it may be. And then we hear statements coming out of the White House that, uh, you know, from Sister Circleback herself saying, that, you know, if you get canceled from one platform, you should be canceled from all platforms if you're giving right. disinformation. Well, who, what's disinformation and who's going to give us disinformation? And this is coming from a White House and administration that thinks that it's okay for someone to, to decide that he's a she and she's a he and compete in the opposite sport of the, of the gender and, and, and the whole thing. It's just the insanity of all this and how fast it moves can <laughs> terrify people. And unless we've got that rosary in one hand, that holy water in the other, we're on our knees before our Lord, we're in that confessional, we're kneeling before our blessed sacrament, we're praying like crazy, reading the word of God, and we're backing each other the best we can. It's hard to find the courage to do this. But we are going to stand before God one day and give an account for our silence or for our outspokenness. And, you know... When I die, I don't stand before, you know, Jen Psaki, the White House, or any of these, these people in big tech. I stand before God, and that's the one I'm most concerned about. Yeah, and he said, the least among us. That's, that's you know, it's not being with the cool kids, you know, and being with the elite. It's being with the least among us. And, yeah. and I think that could be synonymous to the vulnerable. Yeah, that's the least among us. And, and are we willing to stand with them instead of, you know, lurching toward, you know, the cool kids, the elite, the, the elites in our, in our culture, wherever we are. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I, so, I'm with you guys. So Jason, uh, we're, we got just a couple minutes left. Um, you know, so here we are. I mean, a lot of people are feeling really overwhelmed right now. And it, it's this, uh, I, I, I actually use this in this morning's gospel when there was a multiplication of the loaves and fishes, but you know, all we got here is this kid with, you know, two low, two uh, fish and a 
handful of barley loaves. You know, but what good is that with this huge crowd? But it was that stressing that it's just, it seems insurmountable. Mm -hmm. That's what you're hearing from everybody. It seems insurmountable. Um, and I, I keep saying, I think that what's happening is God is allowing a lot of this so that evil just gets arrogant and we see it all. And, and, and so that we get motivated, we, we, we get uh, inspired to want to do something about it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't know what that, I think that's different for every person. Wouldn't you say, Jason, you know, how God has, has created you, what are your gifts and talents? How has he positioned you right now? You know, how, but, but the point is, is that it's now is the time. Now is the time for all of us to stand up and, and be vulnerable. Um, and we have to realize we, it's, we got to stop the pity party. Yeah. yeah. Imagine how confounding and bizarre segregation was or slavery or right. rise of fascism or Nazism or totalitarian sure. socialism in Europe and the viciousness and cruelty we saw during the French revolution. And I mean, this is, this is not anything, ex you know, it's bizarre. I mean, this gender ideology is very bizarre. I think it has a lot of its parallels to race ideology of the 1930s in Europe. Um, but, you know, it's every generation has these ideologies of evil. Evil is a deprivation. So it collapses, it disappears, it vanishes on its own. Um, in that great poem by um, Chesterton, The Ballad of the White Horse, he says, the men of the East may spell the stars for sure victory and fame, but the men who drink the blood of God go gaily to their shame. Yada, yada, yada. And then he says, you know, we have wars we have wars we hardly, souls we hardly save and wars we hardly win. And what I love about that is we hardly save the souls. We hardly win the wars. We win. We win. But it always seems bleak. The world marches towards sure victory and always they lose. And we uh, go gaily in the dark. Maximilian Kolbe was gaily in the dark in, right. a, in a starvation bunker in Auschwitz joyfully praying the Psalms, and then he was the last man alive, the rosary. And so that's our call. And um, it's not that dark yet. It's dark. It's confusing. But in the lifetime of many people watching this, it's been much darker in other places. I think, um, I think what you're getting at there is that a pity party would be getting in the fetal position and just saying it's over. But, yeah. uh, but, but to understand that these are historic times. So we yeah. don't just lump them in with, oh, this is just another time in history, you know, like any other time. So let's just go shopping and golfing and throw a rosary up every once in a while. I don't think that's what you're saying. Uh, I, I think that all of us have to understand what's going on. We have to be alert and we have to ask God, okay, God, first I start with prayer and my belief in you, my trust in you. But then where do we go from here? Because these are historic times not a time to get in the fetal position but a time to get up and push forward right? yeah and if we feel overwhelmed we won't act right exactly and i was with my my young business partner from turkey today and we were he was you know he's like well what can i do in in turkey and i said oh, i have my whole strategic plan here and i said you know you pick one target right and you kill it <laughs> like you right. pick a goal to advance Strategy. human dignity in your community and you achieve it and then you pick another goal. Like for me, it's make a movie or write an article or, there you, go. you know, run a, run a political campaign. Design a combat rosary. <laughs> Design a combat rosary. Do one thing, then the next, then the next, then the next. Exactly. Volunteer 10 hours a week at your local pregnancy center. Pray exactly. in front of the abortion clinic. Learn all you can about the Uyghur and become an expert and write a white paper for your member of Congress yeah. with them. These things are all very doable for all of us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Jason. This has been great. Yeah. Really thanks, man. Great. Uh, honestly, uh, if you let us, I want to put that uh, be vulnerable on everything. <laughs> no, gonna... I would please, please do that. Yeah. I, I would love it. So that is so good. It's going to be in my coffee cup to begin with. There you go. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. only if I get the coffee cup. There you go. All right. In the name of the hat. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, amen. Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And help us, Lord, to be vulnerable. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
Amen. All right. Thanks, thank Jason. you, guys.